Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School based here in the Swiss Alps. Um, you join me from uh, a very dry and sunny uh, Easter uh, that we are having here uh, in Champery. Um There's no skiing obviously because uh, all the ski resorts are shut down but there is an end in sight. Uh, I think uh, certainly to the Swiss shutdown and, and the Swiss authorities are talking about letting us all um, be a bit freer um, in not very very long actually, about 10 days time um, by the time that, that, that you listen to this. Um, I had the opportunity recently to uh, to interview a good friend of mine, um, Danny Miller. Um, now Danny is, and I'll, I'll say this up front, Danny has nothing to do with skiing. Um, so you know, for those of you who are looking for ski ski related content, you should uh, you should switch off now. But there are a lot of parallels in about what we're about to talk about and skiing, and uh, and that's why I wanted to interview uh, Dan. Now um, we first got talking about this on a on a golf trip um, uh, to Portugal. I've recently taken up the game, uh, stupidly, uh, a game that I left behind a long, long time ago. But I've uh, got the bug back again, and um, and we we got talking to, to, to Dan because um, Dan's just about to well, he's about halfway through a PhD in uh, in health psychology, um, and we got talking about a, a particular particular injury model. That, um, that that we were talking about called the fear avoidance model and how changing our thinking about injury can allow us to recover better and, and I thought this was particularly applicable well particularly applicable to to, to one um, skiers and ski instructors um, for sure because you know we get injured a fair bit and and we talk actually a little bit about um, the dissertation that I had to write for Swiss snow sports which talked about fatigue in ski instructors and uh, and I am currently halfway through yet another back injury so uh, so uh, more about that in the pod but secondly also we wanted to focus with the idea with of, of this talk with Dan was um, was actually to present this as a as a lecture to um, to to some of the young skiers that we coach and train and work with and and, and to roll this out to a number of schools, but uh, the um, the current Corona uh, shutdown has put paid to that, so um, so we won't be uh, we won't be able to do that this time. So we're going to present it in the form of a podcast. Um, accompanying this talk, there are some notes. So there's a Dropbox link, a Dropbox link in the uh, in the in in the podcast notes, which you can have a look at also. And um, and yeah, so in summary, the focus of this is is I mean, there's there's a there's a huge amount of jumping around in this podcast. So I just present the interview as is, but um, but the, the the main focus is on on fear and injury or fear of injury, and how we can uh, how we can better manage it to recover in a better way um so enjoy this podcast um and i will uh, i will catch you on episode what will be episode 20 actually which will be the next one um and i'm just putting together the uh, the interview for that now so uh, so enjoy this and uh, and uh, and i hope um wherever you are locked down that that ends soon and um i wish you a very very good easter and uh, and a good the rest of april Um, welcome to the Ski Instructor Podcast, uh, Danny Miller. How are you? 
Well, good, thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really great. We've uh, we've just set the worlds to rights off air yeah. in terms of uh, yeah. Corona and various other bits and pieces. So we're not going to talk about that because there is enough stuff about that going on in media in general. Um, yeah. But your what I the, the, uh, I'll explain to the listener because this um, this this podcast is going to be is sort of bifocused because you you're not really a skier as such no. um, you're not a ski instructor as such or, or, or anything that we normally interview um, but mm-hmm. but the the purpose of this I, I think the content will be useful for ski instructors they get injured a lot um, and sure. uh, and secondly I I also wanted to do we were going to do this presentation weren't we you were going to come over here to Switzerland and do this presentation yeah. to yeah. a few of the schools that we work with um, and that's been sort of knocked firmly on the head by uh, yeah. by the current times um, so why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about your your journey and story I, I know it really well because we're great mates but um, yeah. Um, t- yeah tell me how you ended up where you are now thanks Dave thanks for inviting me on mate it's good to like I said I was getting a bit worried I didn't think we'd ever you know get to do this um, be like you said strange times but anyway we move on mm. uh, we don't want to go into that debate that's no. for another time yeah but Dave, no, thanks, mate. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, so I'm Danny. I'm a qualified osteopath. I'm a practicing osteopath. I'm also a trainee health psychologist. But, you know, this kind of, we've kind of come at this from a health psychology perspective or a trainee health psychologist perspective rather than an osteopathic perspective. So I want to make that clear because I don't want to get, you know, because it'll, be, it'll probably end up moulding between the two anyway, but it's going to have a bit more of a health psychologist feel to it with a like living well with injury rather than looking at the the mechanisms of injury and all that sort of stuff yeah so like no real biomechanical kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um but i'll go back to where i started so originally dave you know when we first met i was um working on trading floors you know so a very big change i used to be i started in i've kind of done it the wrong way around you know in 97 i started on the futures market shouting and screaming at each other and being like an an orange jacket, you know, collecting, being a general dog's body, really, Dave, you know, checking, picking up cards, running positions for yeah. the locals on the, the futures market when it used to be down at Cannon Street in the city. Yeah. Um, that kind of obviously went a bit wonky in 99 when it all kind of started, went into going electronic trading platforms. Then uh, sort of fast forward for 15 years, two th- well, well, 2008 when the financial crash started, um, as we were talking about earlier. Mm. It was a kind of like I didn't. I had no kind of university background. I had no education background. I kind of left college when I was sixteen to kind of go for this career in finance. Mm. But in two thousand and eight, when it all went a bit wobbly, it was a bit you know okay, right. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to get made redundant and have to find a job in the in a in a similar industry when you know Lehman's were getting made redundant, closing down. Goldman's were making huge redundancies. A lot of the big banks were making huge redundancies, and I just worked for you know, a smaller European bank. Yes. And I thought, well, I, you know, the competitions, you know, I'm just not going to be able to go into another job. So, you know, so it was then I was kind of, you know, as we were, you know, we used to you know talk stuff. I was into nutrition. I was into training. I was into exercise. You know, I was into that kind of stuff anyway. Mm. And my brother was like, you know, Tony was like, Dan, well, why don't you, you know, I was talking to him about it. He said, well, why don't you look at osteopathy? Because, you know, you're going to learn everything. You know, you're going to learn about the body. You're going to learn about the physiology. You're going to learn anatomy. Uh, you're going to learn how the body works. It's really in depth. Why don't you go in that road? I was like, all right then. So mm-hmm. I did that. 
So 2010, I started on the access course, which because I didn't have any background in education, which was a kind of access to higher education. That was in 2010. 2011, I moved on to a part-time like All this was part-time. Yeah. Part-time, I moved into uh, the degree, the master's in osteopathy. At the, it's now the University College of Osteopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, started that in 2011, part-time till around 2014. Yeah. Then left left my job in the European bank and um, was kind of a bit upset to leave, but it was a kind felt like a natural progression, mm. um, you know, and then two years in clinic, like a supervised clinic education, still at the university college osteopathy then qualified in 2016 and um, loved it. You know, I love osteopathy. I love, you know, of course <clears throat> you've got physiotherapy. That's probably for another, another talk, but mm. physiotherapy and chiropractors. And I went down the osteopathy route and I, I love it. You know, I love that working with people i love to see how people can change i love to see that the, you know the kind of support that we can give people and help them back onto the road of recovery hmm. but for me dave it weren't enough um it never love, is you know, it never is no it never is and i was having <laughs> this conversation with someone the other day and they said you're never going to know enough and it's so true yeah <laughs> you know, when when do you stop but so well, fast forward if, we get, if I can just ask you about it, because I, I think we're, we're similar in that way in terms of our personality. So my, my, my missus often asks me this. Um, she, you know, we were sitting there the other night and she says, you know, are you happy? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a difficult question to answer. Because I'm not, I'm never really happy to kind of sit on, sit where I am, you know, and be content. You know, for me, it's, it's more about like, you know, tomorrow, what's happening next, what's happening next, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if that'll ever be enough, you know, probably the same for you, it sounds like, it sounds, it sounds the same, you know, you're not just happy to be where you are. I think as well, it's just that once you get involved in, you know, I call it academia or you call it the human body or, you know, coaching or whatever, mm. You, and when you're working with people, be it from a healthcare perspective like I am or a coaching perspective like you know, like you are, yeah. you're working with a human being and no one no one is the same. Yeah. No one is the same. So how do you adapt to that? You you know, you, you it, it, it's kind of you know, how do you measure success with something like that? You can't. Yeah. Because there's you know, like if I look at my outcomes in osteopathy, if I'm honest, you know, Hundred percent of my patients don't get better. In fact, I don't know because you never, you never really get to the, you never really spend time with that enough time with these people to work out how, you know, okay, you can measure it objectively. Mm. But even then, you know, we're we're involved in people's lives, and that is inherently variable. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't, and that goes on to, you know, that goes to kind of trips into how I got into health psychology. Mm. You know, it was like I was working with patients, and um, and I've been in practice a year, and I was enjoying it. Uh, one patient especially you know always always it, it like tripped up my thinking mm. it was because i was like challenging manual therapy it was a bit like manual therapy works with a certain group but it's not you know it's not effective in a you know in a larger group i mean that you know a larger amount of people who have got high you know willing a motivation to do well and all that it kind of it works it makes people feel better for only a short amount of time mm. but then you get people with a kind of more long-term conditions that you know put it bluntly rubbing someone's back is not is not gonna you know it's not gonna help them that much yeah they need to take on more Mm. they need to have some responsibility and not that i want to you know wave the finger at someone you need to be more responsible for yourself you know taking on long-term conditions yeah it's like it's like that 
it was like I remember talking to him and and his wife coming to the appointment with me mm. and him. His wife did all the talking, Dave. Mm. And I was like, what's going on here? What You know, he's the one in pain, but you're telling his story. And it's always difficult anyway when you're dealing, you know, when you're with working with people who come in as a couple or come in as, you know, a kind of mother or elderly mother or an elderly person and coming in with a carer. It's really difficult. But this bloke, it, it threw me because he, he said, all I want you to do is fix me. Mm. And I was like, well, no, that's that's not, that's that's quite difficult because I can't fix anyone. You know, it's one thing we learn in osteopathy is you can't fix anyone. It's, there, it's up to, you know, the body has its own healing mechanisms. It's up to us to support that. We can't fix it, people. And I was like, okay, well, that, but they were very motivated. Well, they come across very motivated. They're like, you know, I just want to change. He's, you know, he was overweight. He was, you know, probably 110 kilos, mm-hmm. quite unhealthy, very low activity levels. And um, was a bit like, you know, I just want to, I just want to be out of this back pain. But and he actually had some kind of, Injury, you know, he'd had he had to picking up a slab of concrete with his mate, mm. felt something going his back, had an injury, you know, was a you know injury. But you know, his diet was out, his lifestyle was out, and, and by out, I mean his diet wasn't the best. He wasn't mm. very healthy. Um, you know, he would drive in his car for an hour backwards and forwards. Yeah, you know, just very sedentary. Yeah, and it was like, okay, yes, yeah, so I want to get on holiday. You know, I want to, I want to improve. I want to get, I want to start doing it. Brilliant. Okay, that's great. Let's try and work towards that. Which is kind of what I knew early stages, even before I got into psychology and health psychology, that you know, goals are good. You know, you want to work towards something. We kind of know that. Mm. And, um, anyway, cut a long story short, it wasn't recovering as I'd hoped. You know, it was probably about. You know, ideally, you'd like to see some kind of recovery after about four or five treatments with someone. It wasn't really that was kind of plateauing. And he went on holiday. And two-week holiday, living the dream, south coast of Spain, swimming, enjoying, him, enjoying himself, come back. Dan, I felt great on holiday. Felt brilliant. Oh, brilliant. You know, what did you do? What were you doing? I was swimming. I was walking. Great. Let's get you swimming again. Oh, I don't want to start swimming. But you've just told me that's what made you feel better. <laughs> yeah. What, where's the barrier there? And I didn't have enough experience. That's on reflection, Dave. I didn't have enough experience to ask that question. Mm. You know, what's the barrier? Because I don't know how to handle the response. Yeah. And then, um, so anyway, that was like, well, what is going on there? He was a motivated individual. He wanted to change. He, you know, felt better on holiday. His wife's doing all the talking. He, his wife is, you know, taking over the consultations. Yeah. What is going on? And I was like, right, I, you know, manual therapy is not going to help this bloke. It's just not. All right, it might get, it, I said, and this was a conversation I had with him. I said, it's going to help you short term. It's going to help you for two or three days. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm happy for you to come back every week, but you're gonna, only going to get short-term relief. And it's going to, you know, and it's your finances are going to impact. And it, it doesn't sit well with me to do stuff like that. It just doesn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's just that kind of routine appointments where he, it, it just doesn't, sit, ethically, it doesn't sit well with me. Mm. I started looking at psychology and um, sorry, Dave, I've gone the wrong way around here. Indeed, I start, I've gone. To, <laughs> I've started looking at psychology, and, and, and health psychology really stood out for me. It mm. fitted the kind of at the time that kind of osteopathy, health psychology, working with people in long term conditions and working with people in long term pain, mm. uh, and all that. So I thought, oh, okay, I really like the sound of that. But I had to. My masters in osteopathy didn't just give me a route into health psychology. I had to do. Um, a master's in health psychology. So I started that in 2017. Mm-hmm. 
qualified with that in 2018, kind of stayed at the University of Westminster. I really liked the, the tutors there and the lecturers there were really passionate about what they were doing. Went into health psychology, um, went qualified in, you know, fast forward 2019, qualified in that. And it was a bit like, and I remember talking to my wife, right, Dave? Yeah. I said, you know what, Rosie, is fine. It's just like doing a master's in osteopathy. Once you do your master's, you can call yourself a health psychologist. She was like, brilliant. How long is it going to take you? Two years, be done for 2019. Mm-hmm. Great, right? Mm-hmm. Halfway through the health psychology course, hang on a minute, I might have to do a doctorate here. <laughs> hang on a minute that could take three years <laughs> this, this, they didn't tell me about that but well partly I didn't look I was a bit I was just assuming right yeah and uh, yeah she said so I had to have this uncomfortable conversation with my wife like sort of Christmas time 2018 2019 it's not I'm not going to be done in 2019 I'm probably going to be done in 2022 you what what you, you know <laughs> you Wally what happened there I was like you know, I thought I had to do, well, I probably got to do some kind of PhD or some kind of like next stage training and all that. She was like, you Wally, why didn't you read the small print? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll get done. In, leave it with me. <laughs> so anyway, where am I now? I started on the, the, the prof, professional doctorate in, uh, I won't, you know, I won't bore you with ins and outs of it, but I started on the professional doctorate as a trainee health psychologist. Okay. So okay. that's where I am now. You know, it's kind of a part-time degree, which really fits. Uh, hopefully in three years, it will probably might take a little bit longer now with what's happening, but that's fine. Um, I'm on the professional doctorate in health psychology. Part of what we're doing now is part of the, you know, the kind of consultancy part of it. You know, you said, Dan, I'm really interested in fear. I'm interested in about, you know, living well with injury. So that's brilliant. You know, it's, that really helps me. And I'm also doing some research on fear, funnily enough. So, you know, the impact that has on the individual, but more towards chronic musculoskeletal pain. And the way that they, they, you know, the how is that a barrier? Why is it a barrier to recovery? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's where I am now. You know, I'm a clinic tutor at the University College of Osteopathy. I've gone back to that, but you know, we've, we're not seeing patients at the moment, so we're kind of a bit more of a virtual clinic. Yeah. So you know, now I've kind of tried to separate it a little bit. So I've separated my osteopathy because I don't. And I was talking with uh, one of my supervisors on the prof- professional doctorate. She was like saying to me, don't blend it in too early. Don't confuse yourself because there's a lot, you know, osteopathy is at one level, health psychology, you know, doctorate in health psychology is at a very different level. So don't blend it in, they separate it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I was at because my kind of goal, you know, I was thinking, well, I'd like to really bring it in together. You know, it's like, well, and this is a good thing about having supervisors on these calls. They trip your thinking up. Like, no, 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 separate it. Don't confuse yourself. It's complicated really complex uh complex in a sense that you've got to be very critical about the research and everything's developed from the evidence so you know that's where i am now trainee health psychologist i love it i love reading about it it's like you saying dave you know when are you gonna when, when do you stop you know once you're in this road once you're you know there's no amount of evidence that's ever gonna say you know actually i think i've cracked it with human beings i think if anyone ever says that or I ever get to that point, I'm in a bad place. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because you can't. Yeah, I think, I think when you, you, know, you like, start you know, to think you know everything, that's, you know uh, that's the difficulty, right? Yeah, you don't. And it's like, you know, you know, you're probably realising yourself, Dave, at this sort of level. It's like the more you go into it, the real, the less you realise you know. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it just which in a, way, in, in, a, in a way fascinates me in its own right. Mm. You know, because, in, and then in a way you have to try and work out, well, it's only, well, I've only got today, I've only ever got, you know, where's... How is my satisfaction or my success measured? I don't think it is. I don't think you can measure it. I think it's impossible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How, how, you know, when I sit back and, 
you know, I sit down and, you know, like touching what you were saying earlier, if I look at where I am now, right now with what I've learned, I, I can say I'm, you know, I'm happy with what I'm learning. I'm happy in the direction I'm going. Yeah. Because it's only going to look. And I kind of try and stay open-minded about it because, you know, we've got five, you know, there's five key competencies that I have to complete for the, the, to be a health psychologist. Mm. I'm only doing two of them now. Mm. So consultancy and sister a lot and research, and then the other two are teaching and training and a psychological intervention. And there's professional skills that kind of goes through the whole lot. But what I like it is that you have to try and step, stay very open minded to it because there's four areas there that we, you know, that we get trained to a really good level, a high level. Mm. You know, so where could we go with that? You know, so that's quite exciting. So yeah, so the long way around is it, Dave? We'll look at this from a health psychology perspective. Um, yeah, so that was a very long introduction. So I'm yeah. sorry about that. That's all right. No, it's, it's it's very interesting for me because I think when um, I can relate to having the tutors like that, we we had um, the dissertation that you have to write to get the the, the full um, the the full Swiss ski qualification. Um, they actually have a couple of guys there that that, that 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 sort of moderate your idea. I don't know if that happens in academics as well. I, I imagine it does. Um, but you know, they'll look at what your idea is for your, your paper that you're going to write and then they'll come back with a suggestion. And in mine, they said, you know, the scope of what you're, what you're planning to write about. And mine was, was fatigue in ski instructors, um, over the course of a typical ski season. And maybe we can chat about that a little bit later, but you know, when you're up there doing repetitive, um, repetitive, exercise day after day of a similar type um you know my findings were that that you know everything that i read said that you know that kind of chronic exercise in effect is not good for you um if you go day after day you don't have any recovery time so you know we've got ski instructors that are up here you know working six hours a day on a mountain day after day after a day and it it's not good for them in fact um over the course of a a long season you know, you've got mental fatigue there as well because you're looking after people, aren't you, on a, on, well, on a slope. And that, yeah. you know, that's dangerous. It can be dangerous. You you probably tell me more about it than I ever know. But, you know, it's like... No, it's mentally you know, tiring, look- Dan. It, it, it really is. I mean, you know, let's say you're up there day after day. Not only is it physically um, tiring, although you reach a sort of um, economy of effort, you know, you're not going 100% all the time, but it's still... Um, what you, you you know all the guys who in in the the, the primal uh, movement they would call it yeah. um, chronic cardio, so your heart rate is right. above a certain heart rate, but it's not yeah. max you know anaerobic heart rate it's it's aerobic heart rate and that isn't good it'd be like riding a riding a riding a road bike you know for like six hours a day or mm. something like that um, yeah. a fairly low level of intensity but it's it's above in you know it's more fatiguing than say walking would be you know mm. so it's in that that zone where it causes breakdown and inflammation um and yeah, that, you just, it's like you yeah. said you hit an on the head you just don't have a chance to recover no and don't you know, and then the mental side even is, in training got, yeah you know, even in training if you're training yeah you know that's not where you develop it's the recovery where you develop you know that's where you know that's where you recover that's where tissue repair and that's where you, you know mental repair mm. and all that sort of stuff it's training, isn't it? When you're training, you just where you, you know, but it's in the recovery part where you grow. Yeah. You know, you become stronger and you become fitter and all that sort of stuff. But if you're not getting that recovery, then it's, no. it's, it's, it's just general, like exactly what you said, general fatigue. Yeah, it is. And then you add into that a sort of mental fatigue yeah. um, of, you know, having to 
think on the fly and teach on the fly and in addition to that think for other people so with children for example you're teaching uh, uh, children you know often you're making decisions on safety for them because they're not yeah. really capable of taking those decisions themselves so it's all around it's quite a tiring thing and like you say if you don't have that recovery period you know so you just do this day after day after day for an entire season and you hear guys that go out to these kind of places like Australia in the summer season where it's just like six days a week, six hours a day, non-stop. Um, what that, and then obviously you want to go skiing on your day off, right? So you go up the mountain yep. again on your day off. And um, what, <laughs> what, what that does is it causes just like a general inflammated state of your body where the, yeah. the immune system is like just constantly on edge all the time because it's just like got so much going on that actually over time this is what i found anyway in, in my dissertation that or everything that i read said that you know that causes um that causes like a breakdown in tissues breakdown in in uh, ligament joints and all that sort of stuff and it's no wonder that people get injured um yeah, yeah. over over the course of the season sometimes but it's also you know those inflammatory markers create sensitivity to pain as well you know if you get in like all right you, you, you probably save it for another day of the yeah. definition of pain there's a there's a definition but it's argued so much in the literature yeah a lot of talk on social media you know and all that sort of stuff so we won't go down that road mm. but you know if you're in that inflamed state mm. chronically you does create you know there's a guy called lawrence mosley and david butler talk about how that chronically inflamed state creates a sensitivity to pain mm. you know which, you know, makes sense. You know, it's going to change sensitivity recovery. It's going to, you know, your tissue's not getting a chance to repair and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Well, yeah. so this comes at quite a timely time um, because this morning, as we discussed already, I was putting mm. on my pants and this morning I, I lifted right. up nice. my right leg to try and get my right leg into my pants and um, yeah. my lower back, existing problem l4 disc whatever it is um yep. when again so now i've got a severe kink uh, in in my body coming from the waist i can't stand upright and here i am again looking down the barrel of like another god knows how many weeks and cairo sessions to get this back straight again which is a massive pain in the butt um Literally. I'm, I'm literally yeah and I'm sick of it I'm <laughs> sick of it so we we are um you know this happens to me all the time and it's quite debilitating you know it's also it's exhausting being in pain this has only happened since like nine yeah. o'clock this morning but I'm uh I'm I'm exhausted already because it just hurts so much you know I can barely walk but the what we are planning to talk about is 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 the fear avoidance model and it's something that we talked about when we were in Portugal in, in November yeah. and I thought it'd be a great yeah. topic for, for us to talk about so do you want to do you want to sort of run with that and and um, and I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. jump in as and when so you know Dave, what I will say first and foremost right you know for your listeners and all that sort of stuff that you know if you have you know it's a kind of disclaimer really you mm. know like if you have got any concerns this isn't to suggest that you've got to stay and, you know, work it out, go to activities, going to recover quicker and all that. Yeah. It's not about if you've got any concerns whatsoever, you've had any serious falls, or you've had it, especially down a ski site or anywhere, mm -hmm. you know, go and see someone, you know, don't, don't try and be a hero. Don't you, you know, don't listen to me about what I'm going to say. Go and see. If you've got a concern, 
mm. go and see someone. Yeah. You, you know, especially if it's your child, they've had a serious fall. It doesn't hurt to go and get it checked out for head injury or, you know, some kind of whiplash or if your yeah. child's mood's out of character, you're seeing a cut that's not stopping bleeding, you know, don't hesitate. You know, especially, you know, because sometimes, you know, with kids and all that, so, you know, we've got kids of our own. It's like, oh, they're fine. <laughs> you well, know? yeah, they bounce you know, pretty well, don't they? they? I just want to say that, you know, be quite clear, you know, if it's something you're unsure about, it's okay to be scared about it. That You know, that that's fine. But it's just at what point does fear become too much? Yeah. But, you know, any concerns, see a medical professional, see someone who's, you know, see a physio, see a chiro, see an osteopath, see a doctor, mm. see someone. Yeah. And then you kind of, and then it's like, it's like from, you know, and then we can kind of go from there. But, you know, so I think as well, you know, it's like, we talk about fear, but I suppose really we want to see what, you know, what is fear? You know, what, what is fear? What does, what does fear do to us? You know, and fear evolutionary is to kind of, you know, makes sense, doesn't it really, Dave? If you want to be, you know, you look at evolution, you look at, you know, if you're scared and all that sort of stuff, it's a healthy place to be. It stops us from doing something that's probably, you know, going to stop us from getting injury. Yeah. You know, and some people, you know, it's like, it's like a, it's an emotional reaction, you know. It's like it's, it's a learning pro, you know. It's an it's an adaptive survival mechanism, mm-hmm. you know. But can become maladaptive, yeah. you know. Like you saying, you know, you've hurt your back, rightly so. Your body's saying, you know, it's putting out like some kind of message to say, don't be silly over the next couple of days. Yeah, it's that's sure healthy, is. right? Yeah, that's yeah. healthy. That's that's that, 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 as long as it doesn't, you know. It's like, you know, and it's that kind of fear that it, it can be dis, you know it's disabling you know it's that, it's that but what can happen is you know that persistent avoidance that you know that that you know and that kind of builds up momentum doesn't it because if i don't do a short term if i don't do something oh, i feel all right i'm not mm. gonna do that again kind of it kind of changes our it, it changes our experience our human experience you know which is to go out and explore you know that's just what it is well we're, um, we're but, seeing you know, fear, that aren't we we're seeing that on quite a large um population scale at the moment aren't we this is this is yeah. what there's you know the, the in terms of relative number and i know that we said we wouldn't talk about this this flipping coronavirus yeah. <laughs> but, but aren't we isn't that what we are seeing in a huge scale you know the media is pumping out non-stop fear stories and it's making the population fearful you know when the relative threat relatively speaking you know compared to populate overall planet population size is very low, you know, or, yeah. or very very small, um, and and so that's that's a that's a great example, isn't it, of of a, a kind of fearful state. Well, and this is it, you know, you know, like again, I was talking to the supervisor about this. Is like, where's the where's the psychological impact in that? What's going on there? Mm. And it, it does it fits some of the all right. We we talk about the fear avoidance model, but it, there's another model called the common sense model of self regulation, which is based, which come about in the seventies about fear. It was coming about about fear messages. How they wanted to change health behaviour, so they put out fear messages. I think it might say something on smoking or something like that. Yeah. So smoking's bad; it causes lung cancer and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Stop smoking. Mm-hmm. But what would happen? Is it was only happening in the short term. So you'd get a short term effect on behaviour mm-hmm. changes, like exactly what we're seeing now, but it only works in the short term. So actually, so as a population, you know, as a population, then that that does kind of explain what we're seeing from some quarters with regards to this current crisis, crisis where people are just sick of it and starting to question the narrative. Would that be the case? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like short. It has because people eventually, we, you know, it's like we're human beings, aren't we? You know, mm. we want to. We, we're not meant out. to stay inside. Yeah, and it's that isolation is bad. You know, it is. Re- and how they're going to come out of this? With you think if you've got elderly people who are doing are listening to government guidance yeah. and they're staying indoors, rightly so because they, you know, if we you know they're at risk. Yeah. But these people, you know, they, their their social experience or their social kind of being is going out to the shops, talking wow. to the shop people. Yeah, isolation is a big issue for old people, isn't it? And um, yeah, you've got you've got social withdrawal, or you've got you know loneliness, and it's you know they're two very different things. You know that loneliness is like all dependent on you know your your relationships, but the quality of the relationships. Can you phone someone up and go, yeah, I'm struggling? Mm. You know, and if these if the elderly don't have you know they you know struggle with technology, they don't have a phone or they don't have well whatever it is, their 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 response to that is to go out. And talk to people, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, you know, it's you know we digress a little bit there, Dave. Yeah, but, you know, it's, okay. it is. But this does fit in with the social, with the fear avoidance model. Mm. You know, pain it is it is socially learned. You know, it's it's a, it's an adaptive mechanism. We learn it. You know, part of the the the, the, the definitions of pain. You know, is. On the IAS, the International Association of something pain, I can't remember that this bit. Mm. But you know, pain can you know it sort of fits in with fear. Pain can serve as an adaptive role. It can have adverse effects on function and well-being. Mm. You know, it's like you know, it's an individual experience that's been learned. So you know, and you, we apply it to we can apply that to people who are skiing, or you know, see people with back injuries, or see people who fall and hurt themselves. Mm. Fear in that kind, of, you know, is that kind of it can impact you how you how you do stuff, as you were saying. You know, I've got back injury now. I could be out for three weeks, but however many weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's that's certainly the case, isn't it? Um, okay, so let's let let's move into that then. So the fear fear avoidance model, or yeah. fear avoidance in general, because I am, you know, let's use me as an example because I'm here and I'm injured. But you know, this is a for me. I I walk around. And my movements are made in a certain way, with a fear that 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 I am at some point going to re re hurt my back, lower back again. Yeah, and it's a and pain, that's a you know, that's it's, a healthy it's, fear. But... Well, well, it is, but it also limits it limits me, right? It limits what mm. I can do. I don't go and pick up heavy yeah. boxes and stuff, even though I can. You know, I, I move in a yeah. certain way. I can't go to certain places with my movements, yeah. and and um, and that 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 limits me in my daily life. And I wonder if there's another way that I could be thinking about it. I suppose that's what we're talking about with yeah. with regards to fear avoidance model, right? So we have an in- so you know, like exactly that. We're using an example. You had an injury, right? Mm. And then you have a pain experience, yeah, which is what you're going through now. Yeah, sure is. Right? <laughs> so. <laughs> So you either we either go one way and we confront it. We say it's fine. It's, it's I've just I've just injured my back a little bit. That's fine. I'm healthy. I'm fit. I'm you know I'm a strong guy. I do a lot of activity. Okay, that's fine. All it just means I've got to step back a little bit. But mm-hmm. I confront it and I say to them, but it's okay. I'm going to recover. I've recovered in the past, so I'll recover again. Mm. So you kind of confront that and. 
and that, and it's funny actually because the fear avoidance model was changed slightly because on that confrontation they've added in optimism and coping mechanisms you know what's the individuals like on that mm-hmm. but but you know that's you're in an, an acute phase dave which means you know you're in you know hours to days kind of thing yeah but what it where it becomes an issue is if people are, are, you know had that you think now you're three months down the line and you're at the same state mm. so you've not recovered as you'd hoped you're still having that pain experience three months down the line when you know i don't want to go into the mechanisms too much but you know tissue should heal by that point mm. you know, that should heal so what is it going on there why why is it that someone doesn't recover you know if, like someone else does what 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 then and the fear avoidance model obviously uses fear as the main construct and it says well what happens in that pain experience that people at some point they're going to catastrophizing you know or negative like that kind of negative emotion which is normal to have you know i don't want to say that you shouldn't have it Mm. because you know it's it's part of the protecting mechanism that we want our body to recover and we recover stronger Mm. you know there's some i was reading somewhere that in, I can't remember what it might have been a podcast I was listening to or it might have been something else, but they call it um, positive readaptation. Mm-hmm. So they don't call it injury, they call it positive readaptation. It's, like, it's okay to have an injury, we get injured, it's a normal part of life. Mm. But what can we do to help us recover? But honestly, so we kind of get this circle that goes into pain catastrophizing. Mm. And um, so we catastrophize, oh no, this is the worst it could possibly be. You know, I'm never going to be as fit and healthy as I once was. I, you know, you know, we go into this kind of thinking, which is, you know, I have it. And I, you know, I do what I do. Yeah. You know, I, I have that, you know, when I get injured, I have that experience. But it's to, it's like kind of saying, no, you know, it's okay. You know, this is just right. Okay, what can, what can I do that's going to help me recover? Mm. You know, so you can you can walk around. Okay, you might have, you know, you can kind try and get yourself in a comfortable position and wiggle yourself around a little bit to try and, oh, actually, maybe that, that's not as bad as I thought. So mm. you confront it. But that sometimes that might not happen. So, you know, that catastrophizing. I'm never, you know, if you think about it in a skiing, I'm never going to be able to be a high level skier. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to do it. You know, it's that never, never, never mm. catastrophizing. But then, so you get that catastrophizing, and then, and then you, you might have pain related fear, or they call it like pain related anxiety, where, you know, you've got pain related fear, where, like you, you're in this pain experience, yeah. and you're fearful of the pain. Rightly so, it hurts. Yeah, sure let's not take away from that yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're telling me it hurts you know it hurts pain is a subjective experience it hurts you know mm. i can't say well you're lying you know how yeah. can i say that you know because you're not you're in pain so you get that pain related fear but what the, the sometimes the fear avoidance model doesn't begin some of the diagrams is you get pain related anxiety as well which is which kind of fear you know feeds that that you know, you're right. You know, you you get that anxiety related. Like, oh, what if I do that and I'm going to get in in this amount of pain again? Mm. You know, so you've got pain related fear, which is being in fear in that moment, or you've got you're not in pain, but you're worried about doing something that's going to cause you pain. Yeah, now that so that's that's kind of how a lot of the time that I end up. Well, I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time like that, but there isn't very many days that go by without me being very very conscious of how I move because of. Yeah. Because I just don't want. I, it, it's just exhausting being in this state again. So, so yeah, okay, and that would then probably relate into the next point. I should explain, listener, that we're looking at a slide deck together, which I will put 
um, in the in the the notes to the podcast, so you can kind of have a look at this as well. Um, but I suppose that relates, you know, goes into the next point, which which would be like what fear of fear of actually moving to certain places for fear the avoidance. of yeah. For, for fear you know, of avoidance had a, has a short-term effect on behaviour, right? So you avoid it. Oh, I feel better now. I won't do that again. I'm not, it's that kind of that negative uh, valence where you kind of like, oh, hang on. I've moved, I've moved in a certain way and I didn't get pain or I didn't bend over as much and I didn't get as much pain. I'm not going to go as far. So you get that part of, you start, you know, you think that you think of the angle of our joint and the joints there. Our spine, right, is dynamic it's strong, it's got so much supportive tissue around it, and especially someone, David, you know, at that highest level of skiing, mm. your body, you know, you've got a strong spine, you know. It, Mine doesn't is, feel it, very strong right now, I have to say. <laughs> no, it yeah. doesn't, and it won't, right? Yeah. But you have to look at your history and say, but I've recovered, and let's look at where I am at my current state. You know, okay, I've got pain, and that's fine. Yeah. It hurts, and I'm, I'm, it, I can't put my pants on straight. But you know, I've still got to put my pants on. I'm not going to upset my wife. You know, that's just that's just you know horrific for the poor woman. You know, you've got to wear underwear, Dave. Well, right? I might, uh, after this episode, I think I might be going commando. You know, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's too difficult. No one wants to see that, Dave. No one wants to see it, mate. <laughs> but no, but this is. Well, I suppose this is one of these things, right? Because now I have a certain fear of that movement. So maybe I'm going to adapt my behaviour, which I don't really want to have to do, but maybe I'm going to have to put my pants on in a different way. I know that we're sort yeah. of jesting here, but this is actually a real thing. Now, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily want to go down that road, but mm-hmm. should I? Oh. But you can see what would happen. Like, you know, there's, you know, I was doing a, um, a presentation to some, some master students on the health psychology, and we we're talking about the social aspects of pain. Right. And like where, you know, like when I'd start talking about the fear avoidance model. Right. And this was a study done, uh, a qualitative study. So an interview based study finding about experience. I feel like I'm in a constant state of anxiety, waiting for the next injury and trying to preempt that word preempt anything that could cause pain. Yeah. So you can kind of think of this social withdrawal. You know, it's like and again, you know, it. This is a study. This was studies done. This was someone it kind of related to running. Mm. Um, you know, they, they had an Achilles tendinopathy, so they had pain at the back of their heel through too much. Well, through running. I don't want to say too much running. Through mm. running, and uh, you know, they're feeling frustrated. You know, I want to run, but I'm seeing my peers. I'm seeing my frat mates go to races, mm. and they're winning races. And this is what it said: getting personal bests, mm. and they're progressive. But I'm stuck. I'm yeah. stuck here. It's like you and it's stuck there, being looking out the window, and you might ski. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's your life. It's your livelihood. It's your work. You know, you want to be out there. That's what you enjoy doing. That's why you do it. That's why you put the hours into it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get if you get have this fear behind it. There was one here that talks about here. It, is, it talks about how this lady was miserable because she's invited places, but she's worried about the amount of stairs she might have to climb, so she doesn't go. Yeah, it's kind of you know if we go back to that you know the fear avoidance model and you look at that avoidance that of hyper vigilance. Yeah, you, know, you kind of you know, you, you know that's that you know you are drawing from society right today it's forced on us but mm. you know you think you, you know we we only recognise it when it's taken away from us. 
Yes. You know that. You know we're. Ha- you know, and it's like realize. You know, you know. You know, I'm working from home with. You know, my wife's here. My kids are downstairs. Oh, I want to pop out and get a sandwich, and I can't do it. Mm. I want to pop out and get a coffee, but the poor coffee blokes have to shut. Yeah. You know, I want. I want to go out for a walk, but you know, the parks have been shut. You know, so I'm having to, like, avoidance is being kind of forced on me. Mm. So, but you can kind of see how then that, you know, you know, you, I think you've got the fear avoidance model slide there as well. Well, yeah, let's have a look you know, at that now. So this is a good little segue into it. So so for those of you that can see it, and I'm, what I might do actually is put this as the logo of the podcast because some people can see it. So I'll, I'll yeah. cut and paste this somehow into it. Um, but so, so the, we have initial kind of pain. So something injures us or pain yeah. comes. And there's a little sort of downward arrow to to something that says pain experience. So I'm currently yeah. in the, the pain experience zone. I'm experiencing pain and I am here. And then what we have then is a sort of junction where you could go left and right. Yeah. And left sends us on a sort of circle. Yeah. And, and I think probably we should explore the left circle first and then we'll go to the right circle, which is, I guess, an alternative. Um, yeah. Later or not a circle, it's a U. Um, so do you want to do you want to take us through that, that circle and, and how it looks for those who are kind yeah. of su- stuck in my stupid little yeah. circle? Of so, reality? you know, you've got the fear of pain is that next construct or that, you know, that kind of next part of the circle. Mm. On the one you can see, there's loads of these out. You know, there's loads of different as loads of constructs. Like the one I was looking at has got pain catastrophizing in it or fear of pain. Mm. Um, you know, and it, you know, it, when when people, it, it, it when you're in pain, it, it's not a nice place to be. You know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it causes a lot of a lot of stress and a lot of discomfort, and it's yeah. tiring. You know, like you were saying, it's tiring yeah, it's really because tiring. you've got to think about every single movement that you do. Yeah. And um, so it's rightly, you know, if you're fearful, but this is the thing, I don't want to say that if you're scared of something, it's a bad place to be. It's okay to be fearful. I don't, yeah. you know, I want to make that quite clear that it's okay to be a bit fearful, as with anything, to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, are you able to share that fear? Are you able to, this is why I'm going to like, like at the beginning, talk about, talk to a professional about it. Let, let them challenge those fears. Mm-hmm. But then, rightly so, avoidance of activity, exactly what you were saying. Now I've got to put my pants on a different way around or a different, I've got to sit differently. I've got to move differently. Mm. You know, so I'm not just going to sit on the end of bed and chuck my pants on. I've got to think about it. Yeah. And that's tiring. Mm. And you know, all right, and you, but you put that to someone, avoidance of activity, you put it into your, work domain dave you know yeah so if you're a ski coach and you've got to avoid your activity you've got to avoid your work livelihood yeah you know you that's where you earn money right yeah you know you've got to, but that's where you also get your kind of satisfaction from life you know for helping people helping develop people mm-hmm. but you know if all of a sudden now we're starting to avoid stuff again i want to make it you know in the short term it's probably i don't want to say you've got to avoid you you've got to rest on your back for however many times that's not what i'm saying mm-hmm. you know so it's more probably saying like change your activity like, yeah. you know adapt your activity that's why i think it's good to see a professional because hopefully they'll help you adapt your kind of what you're doing on a daily basis to say okay you're in pain that's fine but let's try and let's just work with it let's see what we can do rather than saying right you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that because like as you, you know the next bit is the disuse the disability the, the, the depression you know if all of a sudden you know we're telling people, not that hopefully now we, it doesn't happen so much because it's trying to come through society, but, mm. you know, 
you're avoiding activity, avoiding the things you enjoy, it's going to make you feel rubbish. Yeah. You know, it's like, Sunday, all of a sudden say, okay, you've got to rest up for two weeks, don't play with your kids. Yeah. You know, because you might injure it. That's, I, I, that's the wrong message. And, you know, as a parent, that's, you know, you want to play with your kids, right? Mm. You know, as much as you want to play with them sometimes, and you want to go bonkers with them, that's part of the fun of being a parent. But, you know, likelihood, if I all of a sudden say, you know, this is, I, I bring it into a little bit of my own experience with, you know, working with the self-employed. Mm. You know, if I all of a sudden tell them, you've got to stop working, they go, hang on a minute, I've got to put food on the table. Well, that's right. Yeah. You know, like you, you know, if I say to you, okay, you've got to step away from your business, he's like, well, that's not really possible. No. So, you know, for part of being in, you know, I'm going into osteopathy a little bit, you know, and working with people, that's where it becomes a quite, that's where it's a challenge. Because if you've got someone who's in that level of fear and they're scared, I was saw a patient once and um, she was working in fashion and she, she injured her back. Yeah. And um, it was, I think it was the Paris Fashion Show or something, or something like that, quite a big thing. Mm-hmm. She was, rightly though, she was scared, but she felt she had to go. Yeah. She was like, I think she was kind of hoping that I'd tell her not to go. Mm. But, you know, for her, but it's like, if I don't go, I'm missing out on opportunity, business opportunities. I'm missing out on the latest trends. I'm, you know, I'm missing out. Like, we're talking about, like, the financial markets. If you're out of it, you're not in part of that environment. Yeah. And she's talking. So she's like, oh, do you think I should go? I was like, well, look. Okay, you get in the train. Let's, let's break it down, right? You get in the train there. You can get up and you can walk around the, on the train. So you've already told me that you feel better when you move. Mm-hmm. So if you can move on the train, then surely that's a good thing. Okay, it's all in your. It's management in, in your control. Try it and see how you feel, right? Then she went. Uh, then I said she went to the fashion show. I said, look, if you're standing around a lot, it's okay to sit down. It's okay to go and have a break. You know, you don't have to be there at the front of it all the time, mm-hmm. dipping and out of it. And anyway, she went and she, you know, she said actually it was all right. She was in pain, but she was, it, she managed it. But what I don't like to then do is say people to put, can you imagine if all of a sudden we say to her, you can't go? Yeah. You know, it, you can't go. You know, that fear of missing out, you know. You, you yeah, know, that has certain psychological COVID. effects, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's why now it can make people feel rubbish. And if you think about it, if we talk about it, okay, we we're going to give do this to kids and to parents. If kids aren't part of that life, you know, if they're not, if they're not challenging and, and you know, f- feeling like what it's like to feel fear, mm. you know, and we withdraw from it, you know, how, how are we, what, what are we, what, what message are we sending out? So, you know, so that part of that depression and that disuse is, you know, we feel shit if, oh, sorry, Dave, we feel <laughs> rubbish, I should say, you know, if we, if we have to withdraw from, I feel rubbish, you know, I'm like playing touch rugby and all that sort of stuff. I was, I was sprinting the other summer, Dave. I was going like the clappers I was. Yeah. I felt something ping in my hip. And I like, that, that, that's not right. That shouldn't go ping. Yeah. And I've had to stop. You know, I've, I've had to physically stop. And I enjoy it because that's where I get, that's where I enjoy life. Yeah. So, you know, so you're right. So you get back into another pain experience or you do something that, you know, like catches your breath away. That pain-related anxiety, that pain-related catches your breath away. So now we're locked in that cycle. Yeah. And, how, you know, and... So I get a pain experience again. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. That you know, that fear of pain, that pain. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do it? I'm stupid. I'm this. I'm that. That narrative that we tell ourselves. Yeah, it's, ne- it's not healthy. But and then we you're, do it. You're heading back round the circle, aren't you? And that's that's the. Yeah, so, so you withdraw more. So you because you become more fearful of pain. You become more fearful of, you know. And it's funny. It takes you know. It's like I found this study right, Dave. Mm. 
something that I was looking at. I was looking at a, mod, a, a, a kind of different model around. It's called, it's a new, it's like quite a recent model of pain. And they talk, and it talked about how, how pain, fear, the experience is, it's embedded in the environment, right? So at, at, it, it talks about how our environment, we become more sensitive to it that if we're in pain. Exactly like what you said. I'm worried about doing it. I'm worried about bending different. I'm doing this and doing that. Yeah. And rightly so. And it's quite, and it suppose it fits with skiers. It talked about how situations then kind they if we're looking at a situation, it can either embed fear in us or safety or threat. Mm. Or it could be, you know, it's like, you know, you can be walking around in, in a nice environment. I mean, in London today, we're lucky like to have a nice day walking out. Oh, actually, you know, it feels nice. And there was a study, I can't say it. Um, Stefanucci, Stefan, you're probably better off at saying it, Dave. <laughs> um, yeah. Right? They, they did this experiment in 2008. They put people, I think, were they in pain? I can't remember if they were in pain or not. Or they might have been healthy individuals. But anyway, what they did, they had a steep still, a uh, steep still, a steep hill. Yeah. Right? And they had some participants stand on a wooden box. Right? And they had another set of participants standing on a skateboard. Right. Right, those that were the standing, and this was how fear. They were saying that the, the title of the, the study is "Fear Influences the per- Perception of a Geographical Slant." Okay. So those people that were standing on the wooden box didn't see the hill as steep as those standing on the skateboard. Yeah. So you, if we put that in contrast to you guys, right, who have got back pain, and all of a sudden you're on a you're on a, a normal geographical what you would class as normal for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Is now becoming now looks more dangerous. Yeah, it will do because, because not it, yeah. because of the environment. So not only have you got your fear there of hurting yourself, you've got that fear of someone else hurting themselves. Which now that's how then you become is your coaching or your teaching going to change because of the way you feel? Mm. Is that environment changes the way we are? I think that's I think that's I think it just nails it for me. Mm. You know, it's probably got a little bit of carryover for you. Mm. You know, so what my environment's going to change and my thinking's going to change. Yeah. If I'm in pain. Yeah. You know, and fear is a strong, you know, this, this, I'm sort of jumping around. It's called a 5E model. That, that, that there is talk about embedded, but Mm. you've got that emotive side of it as well. Mm. You know, that interpretation of people, facts, you know, ourselves, our focus to where our attention, our environment. And fear is a strong emotion of that. You know, it's a motive. It's, you know, that fear of damage. You know, so once we're in that cycle, Dave, mm. it's really hard to challenge it because, you know, if you say to someone, no, you go down and ski down that slope, you're going to be fine. One, I don't know that, but yeah. I've got to try and challenge that fear a little bit, but we grade it, mm. you know, so, you know, so it's, you can, it's really hard and I don't, and, and the, this is only part of a model that can only really explain it a little bit. And even it, this model even gets challenged in the literature because is it the fear of, is it a fear avoidance model or is it a fear avoidance, fear fear of pain behavior model? Okay. You know, so it's all right, we're arguing over semantics. Yeah, yeah but, all right. So, so we're, 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 so, so let's, so, so we've, you know, I'm, I'm 100% convinced that I keep going around and around this, this circle. But let's, so let's try and challenge our thinking a little bit. So the, the alternative route would be to come to this come to my pain experience where I am now and instead of turning left I would turn right and right is yeah. trying to is, is, is trying to be a different way of thinking for me in terms of how I go about trying to 
change my mindset a little bit and and uh, and and change my way of being, I suppose. Um, so so where do we go from here? So so I'm, I'm in pain, but the next bit says no fear. Now, what does what does that mean in terms of? Uh, I mean, I think it's very blunt, isn't it? I mean, you've got like. It, 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 to that sense, it feels like you've got zero to a hundred, doesn't it? There's yeah, nothing in it, it does. I mean, you know, so, it's, it's difficult not you know, to be so you fearful when pain, you can't walk. Yeah, so right? you have a pain experience, right? Yeah. Like what you're going through at the moment. Yeah. So having no fear about that is kind of, a, it's the kind of, you know, you're going to have, you know, even, you know, you know, you know, even doing what I do, I'm scared of pain, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Scared of something, right? Put it in context, right, Dave? A little bit off track, right? We found a mouse in our house the other day, Did right? You? Gone, we ain't seen it ten since, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? I don't want to go to sit on the toilet downstairs because I don't want it to run across my feet. Oh, come on. It's just a mouse. Uh, what you want to do is get get a cat like exactly. we've just got. It's just a mouse, It's a right? stupid it's cat that we've got. Mouse. It just keeps keeps bringing in mice. Okay, it's bringing, yeah, it's, so, uh, it's brought in all sorts of stuff, this cat that we've got. He's brought in mice, <laughs> worms. He brought in a live shrew the other day and then let it go in the house. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? This cat is, is <laughs> chaos. It caused chaos in my house. But you've nailed it, right? You've just said to me, it's just a mouse. Yeah. But I'm not saying all of a sudden we say, it's just back pain. No, I say that. Yeah. Right? Because again, it's a subjective experience and it's, you know, what you say is exactly how it is. Yeah. Right? But I can't just, it's just back pain, just carry on. No, that's true. Right? So your experience of the mouse is different than my experience of the mouse. Yeah. And likewise, is that it's an individual experience, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, to say, you know, so this is why we have to, you know, working with people like this, we have to say, no, no, no. Okay. What your experience is your subjective experience, right? I can't yeah. challenge that. I can't tell where you're lying. It's not as bad as you think it is, because it is to you. It's stopping you from doing stuff. Yes. So, you know, it's, we have to challenge that a little bit on that model and say, okay, that probably yeah, could suggest to some people that you, you're going to have no fear. To get out of this experience, you've got to have no fear. So really, are you saying, so actually no fear could be instead be be the word acceptance, maybe? Definitely. And that's a key construct, I think. And this is what... This is what they're trying to bring into the fear avoidance model. This is where it's being challenged in the literature. Like it's like, well, you know that that seems to, to for me to come out of this experience. Yeah. You know, and this is why we've got. You know, it's good to talk about this stuff, and you know, hopefully, you guys will understand that it's okay to have fear, right? It's okay. It's going to stop us in the short in the short term, right? Mm. But we don't want to go to the other side of that and go into a fear of pain. But we want to just accept that it's okay to be in pain. Right. Yeah. It's part of the it's part of the human experience. It's what makes us human. You know, it's it's healthy for us to be in pain because it says to us, okay, maybe it's time to just change something a little bit. Yeah. You know, you know so that that kind of we confront it. So that's no fear and confrontational in the model that you got there. It's probably well, hang on, how can I confront something that I don't that doesn't exist? You know, so no fear, so I'm confronting, you know, what am I confronting? So it's kind of that I think there is on a scale. Mm. You know, and it's okay to be on a scale. You know, so we've got, so, you know, so if you're coming to see me, I'm going to say, okay, well, what can we do? What, what we, where are we at at this moment in time? Okay. So that's, so, so if we replace the word no fear with acceptance and then the next step is this sort of, right. Okay. Confrontation, you could almost kind of replace the words with that and say, right. Okay. So what is it that we can do? You know, like action in in effect. Yeah. 
exactly and this you know so it's that kind of where what is it it's like i can't remember i can't remember i saw this but it's like it's motivation doesn't breed action it's action that breeds motivation so we've gone off on the little side so i do something oh actually that wasn't as bad as i thought it was yeah i'll do that again so you know so for example if you can't bend forward touch your toes i don't know if you can anyway (laughs) right I might have you, you know, if we've got a massage table or a kitchen table or something like that, I might get you resting your hands on the table to just so you just bend forward a little bit. Yeah. It's completely under your control. And then I might get you wiggling the hips a little bit. So you go, hang on, maybe this isn't, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So that kind of, I do it, I feel all right. Mm. And then I'll do it again. So it helps recover. It's not to say that it's going to recover quick, any quicker than, you know, your body's going to recover as it needs to. But the movement... I'm dipping into a little bit of osteopathy here. Hmm. You know, the movement helps. It helps with the with the fluid flow. It helps with, you know, if I've got pain and my body's trying to recover it, it's going to develop some kind of waste. Hmm. You know, that waste has to go somewhere. So if I'm not moving, is there something here that's building up that's irritating the irritating it, um, the tissue again? Mm-hmm. You know, is it irritating something that's not... So if I'm moving, if I'm wiggling the hips a little bit, it's just giving it a chance to just maybe just create a bit of a flow. So the body's having a chance to bring in more nutrition, more healthy healthy blood, oxygen, name it what you will, you know, just by wiggling my hips. So then, But then that makes me feel better because it's not as bad as I thought it was. Mm. This is why, you know, this is why it's always, this is why I said it from the start, you know, work with someone with this. You know, don't, don't listen to, I don't know, someone on some ski group saying i've recovered like this maybe you should do it that way it's probably not the best advice to take it's healthy you know it's supportive but yeah. see someone who can work with you and help you confront this stuff and a professional will help you know a good professional now you know it's kind of will help will understand where the evidence is and say right okay let's not stop you from doing something let's try and maybe adapt it yeah let's adapt to what you do because that helps our recovery you know so you know, if I'm working, I, I don't think you know the the place where I work is in in London. You know, in sort of like Southwest London, and they go skiing a lot, and I do see some skiers. But mm. you know, you probably want to work with someone who's going to help you. You know, okay, so maybe you can't do you. you maybe we'll try and leave this for a bit, but we'll do it this way instead. You know, yeah. so you're confronting it. You know, so and then if you're confronting it, it's that kind of it, again. You know, it's like where. If I'm going to fear, like, like sort of avoidance and hypervigilance, this way I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting it. It's okay to be in pain, but maybe I can do this, this, and this. You know, all right, I might be, not be able to ski, or I might not be able to do this, but I can do other stuff. I might be able to do, I might be able to work on some other skills. Yeah. Or I might be able to work on something. You know, that's where you, you know, that's where you can probably mm. take that over from me. But you can work on other stuff. It doesn't mean right. Okay, it's not. You know, like unless it says fear of pain or no, or fear. Fear of pain or no fear, it's like, well, what's in between that? You know, mm. where can where where am I on that scale? You know, and there is there is you know, it's like some of the sort of stuff that I was looking at. You kind of this is where it gets quite interested in health psychology because okay, we've got the fear avoidance model. What what can I attach to that other side of it? What other model can I attach um, to that other side where it's going to help me challenge confrontation and all that? You know, it's like all that sort of stuff. So some of it could might be self-efficacy. So do I have the confidence to do? Or do I have the belief in myself to do something? Mm. You know. So 
And this is it. The fear avoidance model doesn't really talk about self-efficacy. It just talks about confrontation and recovery. But if you apply other stuff to it, where how can how can I help manage it? And there's some of the, especially now, you know, some of the stuff that I was looking at. I don't know, Dave, if you've got the slides there, like how can mm. we manage? Yeah. So I went down to yeah. this, this theory. I've come away from the fear avoidance model, but this one is more based around basic psychological needs. You know, so this model talks about that our basic psychological needs are how do we relate to people? Mm -hmm. Can we make our own decisions in recovery? So a good, a good, hopefully a good therapist, I'm not, you know, will kind of challenge that a little bit and say, you know, what, you know, they'll put it onto you and say, well, what do you want to do? You know, you've got a bit of, you've got some back pain at the moment. Where are we at? What do you want to try and achieve on your daily life? And, you know, that competence, can I do it? You know, mm. am I confident in it? But I don't know why I put that. Dave, motion is lotion. Oh no, I think it, I think it's true. Actually, <laughs> it's well, it's cliche, isn't it? No, but, but it's not. It, 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 the, the, one of the well, there's two elements to this. One, I, I think the power of the mind is hugely um, uh, underrated in terms of its um, in terms of its ability to help us. That that's for one. You know, the shifting in a shifting in mindset is is hugely important in terms of you know the ability to put these things in, in perspective and I often use that in many many situations in in my life where I'll do something called a reframe so something might be terrible right now but then you'll sort of try and look at it from a completely different angle and all of a sudden it doesn't seem that bad you know yeah so for example coronavirus shutdown although we said we wouldn't talk about that a coronavirus shutdown has allowed me to have a really, really good conversation with um, uh, Alicia, who looks after my back office, and I've we've put in place a whole bunch of stuff that means that we're going to be bigger and better and much more prepared and much more secure in terms of our technology next year in terms of the diary system that the ski instructors use, right? So that's that's one other way of thinking about you know this thing. Yeah, it's it's rubbish right now. But actually, I've used that time effectively. So it's another way of thinking of the yeah, same thing. This is, and um, it's exactly that in other things. You know, if we get injured, yeah, you know, and it's, I, I don't know if it's probably a little bit like, I don't know if I put it in, in this bit, but it, I definitely had it definitely yeah. talked about somewhere. What else can I improve? You know? Yeah. What else can I learn? And, it, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, but really difficult to do. Mm. You know, because one thing, one my own personal critique about the fear avoidance model when you're talking about it, it's quite negatively valenced. Like I'm talking about pain catastrophization. I'm talking about avoidance. I'm talking about depression. Mm. You know, it's very negative valence. But if, you know, if you talk about some of these basic psychological needs, um, it's, like, it's one of the seven of these kind of models within a bigger model, mm. that self-determination theory. You know, when you start talking about that or you start talking about self-efficacy, it becomes a bit more positively valenced, you know, a little bit like, okay, well, what can we do? Okay, that's like you spoke about. We accept it. That's fine. I'm in a little. I'm in pain. It's normal part of. It's all part of a normal experience. What can I do? You know, where where is my confidence? Where where can I? How can I? Maybe could I? Can I help with someone else? And that was part of the studies. Some of the some of the sports psychology stuff I was looking at was really interesting. It brought what come out about this like relatedness to others. All right, I'm in pain, but how can I help someone else? And in effect, if I if I'm in this pain or I've had this injury or I've had this experience mm. and I've come through it, 
you can you're actually quite an inspiration to someone else, especially a youngster who's getting in a lot of pain. And this was some of this like sports psychology stuff was looking at in adolescence. Mm. Was saying that okay, don't withdraw. If you you know like looking at that qualitative piece I was looking at, people don't want to look watch people because it that fear of missing out. But mm. maybe you could help someone develop something that they're struggling with, or if if someone else is in pain, maybe you can be there and say, look, it's okay. I saw so and so, and they really helped me. It becomes yeah. a bit different. It's a different narrative. There's two little there's two little bits there that actually you, you touched on. So there are the choice of language. I think is one, and and there are in yeah. fact I, I know I don't know whether they still do it, but I, I know of a couple of ski schools that were really into this kind of um, uh, I think it's called neuro linguistic programming, where yeah, yeah, you yeah. probably you've probably looked at that before, and I don't know whether that's outmoded or anything anymore, but they won't you know they won't say certain words or they won't do this that and the other because of how those words act as triggers on people um and 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 the choice of language you can see it in people's eyes sometimes you 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 slip into it when you're ski teaching and you say oh you know you even like a little phrase like oh it's a little bit steep down here right that that sets people off you can see them they stiffen up (laughs) and you're like well it's not that steep actually but you know the damage is done Said that to me, done. right? I'd mm. be on one of the baby slopes, and you go, "Date, that's down. It's, it's a little bit steep." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? How fast am I going to go down?" Well, yeah, and you know, it, it, certain yeah. words set off a whole sort of chain effect yeah. on people, and you, know, you see it in their physicality. You know, if you say the wrong word here and there, yeah. um, and so you know, those those people that practice that will will only use a certain you know uh, certain language subset that contains positivity and, and, and that sort of thing is that there's a whole bunch more to it than that. But every time I, I get stuck into an NLP book, I'm kind of, I, I don't get very far into it cause it's a bit, bit out there. But, um, but I think there's, yeah. there's validity to it for sure. Yeah. And I've used it before and I've got a lot from it, mm. but you know, in the psychology domain, it's a bit like, well, it's neuro-linguistic program. Mm. And you know, it, it, I don't give you wrong. this. I'm just saying a critique. It's not my opinion. Right, I've got a lot from NLP. I want to say that. Yeah. But some of the critique from some of the other domains, like this, is in any profession. What's the neuro part of it? What's the linguistic part of it? Mm-hmm. You know, so you can kind of get the linguistic part of it, but what's the neuro part of it? You know, where where's the neurological changes that are going on mm. with you know with the language? What's what's going on there? So, well, don't get me wrong. I've got a lot from it. Yeah, but you know, it's it's just the, sometimes the, the the debate is healthy, as we know. You know, it's like. You know, it's just being a bit aware of this stuff. But it does help. And this is, you know, go back to what I said right at the beginning mm. with manual therapy and all that sort of stuff. It helps. You know, I went the other way. I was like, well, the literature doesn't support it, this, that, and the other. But people get feel better from it. Mm. But is, you know, what's, what's happened in a whole bigger scale? What's happening there? You know, it's not, is it because I'm, you know, like we're talking about relatedness to others. Mm. Is it because, you no, know, I'm support, you know, is it because maybe my demeanor is at support? I'm not saying that anyone else isn't. But, you know, is it because, you know, the environment is very different and it's just the fact that I've just put my hands on someone is supportive and it has a whole, it might set off a whole, you know, there's a big, you know, literature on touch, Mm. you know, that supportive kind of touch um, helps people recover. One of the other, yeah, the support, stuff we're challenging and all that, but the manual therapy is a very small part of that. Yeah, and when uh, in addition, I think one of the other things I was going to say was so I read a really really interesting book that was recommended to me by Steve Crisp actually, because um, he's yeah. had all sorts of issues with his back over over the years. Yeah, and he he recommended a book. I think it's called um, 
fix your own back or something. And it was by a... Okay. Yeah, it might be. I, yeah, I'm not sure. But what he said was, or the premise of that book was, was that a lot of people's general lower back issues, um, and actually other, other you know, could be other parts of the body as well, and I'm pretty sure mine is a physical issue, but it's, it's it has been helped by by reading that book. But it was saying yeah. the book essentially was saying that that stress in that part of the body is often for a lot of people, ninety percent of people, is is caused by like turmoil in the unconscious mind, so sort of unconscious yeah. stress, if you like. Um, was the um, was the author John Sarno? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's a, it's an interesting book. It's a bit out there, but I, I got a lot out of it. Yeah, and I, I've taken so some he, I've taken something from yeah. that book, which is which is I now keep a notepad by the side of my bed, and and, and what that book said to basically is just like anything that you're worrying about, even however minor, just yeah. write it down somewhere, and that act yeah. of writing it down and and making it. I don't know, leaving a record of it somewhere often is enough just to just to take that unconscious turmoil away. You know, these things turn away in your mind in the night, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah. you know, just the act of writing them down. And funny enough, once you start writing, sometimes, you know, I, I started writing this, I used to do 12 pages later, I'm still going. And, um, and so I do that every time I'm stressed about something now. And, uh, and what that does... I don't think it doesn't seem to have any th- effect on my lower back, which I'm, com- I'm convinced is actually a physical injury issue. But the for yeah. a lot for a lot of people, it, it just calms you down and it makes you sleep better. You know, just the act of not having all of that stuff jumbled up in your head, it makes you less angry. I think, look, when you write this stuff down, yeah, and you see it on paper, you go, "Hang on a minute." That weren't as big as I thought it was. No. no. So it, it challenges that. But on the other side of that, there's a lot of stuff in the literature now coming about about gratitude lists. And I think we were talking about this actually, Dave, in November. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, what what have I got? You know, all right, if we take coronavirus, if we take, um, you know, a pain experience, if we take anything else mm. and we, if we go from that fear, shit, I can't do anything, I'm struggling, I'm this, I'm that. Um, you know, proper horrible narrative that you tell you, which you know I experience, I had that experience as well. Mm. Or we go into gratitude and we say, "Well, hang on a minute, right? Let's just look at where I'm at at the moment. You know, where am I at? Okay, I mean, let's accept the pain experience. Let's accept the coronavirus. Mm. We can't change it, right? We can't change it. But where am I at? Okay, so I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm in a loving relationship. I've got I've got kids." You know, I'm not, you know, this is personal to you. It's not kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, that. Sure, yeah. what have I got now that, you know, that I'm grateful for? I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in the fridge. Yeah. I've got lucky enough to have money in the account. I'm lucky to have good mates to talk to about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I'm learning and I feel like I'm growing. So, okay. So when you switch into this gratitude area, you actually realize, okay, this all this acceptance stuff that's going on around you, but what can I, what, what have I got at the moment that I've got really to be grateful for? Mm. And it, it, you know, it switches that. It's quite, and it's something that I do on a regular, I haven't done it recently, like for the last week or so, but it's something that when you, when I do it regularly, mm. you know, you do realize you actually go, you know what, the world's a different place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, okay, coronavirus is horrible, but I was talking to this elderly lady. She was a patient of mine. She was in her nineties, right? And I was treating her for some 
brilliant lady, full of like optimism. Right? Mm. I was treating her for like uh, knee arthritis, right? She'd had it diagnosed. You know, she's 90 years old, she's active, she's fit. And it's just this kind of, again, to her, you know, osteoarthritis is painful, but she's still able to move around. You know, mm-hmm. it's again, it's what you said about that language earlier, Dave. Yeah. What does it mean to her? To her, it means, okay, I've got a little bit of knee pain. I'm going to see someone about it and then I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But she was saying, this was just before the coronavirus kicked off and it was talking about isolation and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she, she said, she said, I was, this reminds me back of the, you know, in the Second World War. You know, in London, I had to make sure this isolation to me, to yeah. her, that word, uh, lockdown, meant shutting the curtains and making sure there ain't no people like coming through. Mm. And you're like, we can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, well, you know, okay, it's true. The lockdown, but at least I ain't getting bombs dropped on my head. Well, there is that. You know, there's a lot of people describing, you know, hospitals as war zones and and you know, lockdown as being akin to war, but it's not. It's not at all. Yeah. And people that have actually been yeah. in war, and I know a few of them, yeah. and they... Uh, what do you think of the people like, in the yeah. military? Yeah, exactly. I know a few of those. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, this isn't war. Yeah. You don't know anything. Um, uh, yeah, but like you said, it goes back to that point, doesn't it, Dave? What does it mean to us? Yes, you know, it's relative. It yeah, it's relative. To the individual. Yeah. Because it's all relative. and But when we switch into this place of gratitude... You know, like you were saying, writing down your thoughts and feelings before you get so you can see them on paper and you can you remind yourself to do it in the morning. Mm. But these are, you know, it's like that action motivation stuff. You know, if it's that internal, and it comes back to that point on autonomy and competence. Mm. You know, if I'm taking care of my own recovery, and I it's, it, in some of the in some of the healthcare literature, they call it internal or external locus of control. Mm. So if I'm developing this internal locus of control to take charge of my own recovery. And I will get better because I'm kind of healthy because I'm grateful. Or I'm grateful to, to have this experience. Then you know the, it, the the reframing becomes very like you were saying becomes very different. Mm. But it's not easy, you know. It's this kind of stuff, and it you know it's, it takes time to practice. A practice, isn't it? You can't do it once and expect a miracle. You have yeah. to practice it. It's true for it to become ingrained and and that you know and it's. You know, and, it, and there's some other stuff as well. It's funny enough, this self-determination theory, which we've touched on a tiny bit, which div- says like these basic psychological needs, talked part of it is about motivation, internal and external motivation. Mm. But that is something that we want to pick up. And I don't know, you might cover it in the coaching realm about how you pick up that motivation in the individual. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not coming from us. It's picking that. You know, in, you know, you talk to someone in pain. What is it you want to do? Oh, you know, I'd like to, you know, by the end of this, I was actually planning on going skiing, actually, at the end of this. Okay, well, let's work towards you going to skiing. Mm. Not So the for me, the motivation might be, okay, I want to improve your back, a certain mobility. I want to improve your hips or I want to improve your thoracic spine. Mm. That's, that's my motivation. But for this person, they want to be skiing in three months' time. Yeah, a good instructor to do that at the start of any lesson. So, you know, you kind of, you're, you're seeking essentially what the client wants out of the session rather than you just going, yeah. right, I'm going to teach you how to ski. Um, because, yeah. you know, that might not be their goal. We talk about this often. On, and, and, on this you know, as anyone, you know, working with human beings, that's actually quite exciting because if that person achieves that goal, mm. then that's, they're satisfied and you're satisfied. Yeah, that's right. So again, it comes back to that relatedness to others. You know, it's that kind of when we're with people, that social, what we're meant to do, we're meant, you know, we kind of help people develop. You know, there's some in some kind of literature that would say that, you know, if you want 
whatever you want in life, you have to learn to give it. You mm. know, if you want someone something, help someone else get it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some of that stuff. I can't remember if that was literature or I can't remember where I've seen that. So take that with a pinch of salt. But it helps me. You know, if I, if I want to, you know, learn stuff, I'm actually getting a lot from teaching at the moment. Mm. So, you know, so if I'm helping someone learn something, I've got to develop my understanding of it. So it helps me. Mm. You know, so but it helps someone else. Hopefully, helps someone else. You know, so there's we kind of wandered off track a little bit, but you know, we can <laughs> it comes back to that confrontation side of it, doesn't it? You mm. know, how are we going to confront this? And yeah. confrontation, maybe okay, we might the language might be slightly wrong. How can we acceptance? I prefer that. How can we help? How can we help someone develop resilience? How can we build resilience in these people? Mm. Okay. So, so let's. So then to sum up where we are we've got a little bit at the end here which it, it part of this so that the model really that i want to be going down is kind of could be summarized as you know acceptance of of the injury it's okay to be injured i've hurt my back okay we're there now i'm not going to sit here and yeah. worry about why i wasn't putting my pants on properly you know it's done <laughs> it's done um and then the next stage is okay well let's you know let's what can we do about it i need to rest for a couple of days you know i know there's certain things that i can do um that's that's gonna that's gonna straighten me back out that's 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 clear um and then you had a couple of other little bits in here as well didn't you which was which was to kind of spend time with friends and family well that's kind of unavoidable at the moment you know i'm stuck in the house so (laughs) (laughs) well that could also be a barrier yeah depends depends what your friends and family are like and um and then sort of what do you mean by this last bit pick something you wish to develop so by that it's like you know exactly what you touched on earlier dave right okay what can i do what all right my business now something needs to change otherwise you know things might go a different, very different way. Mm-hmm. What what am I going to, how am I going to, what am I going to change? What can I work on now that maybe I haven't done in the past? So if you look at something as a, a ski instructor, Dave, you, you might be able to pick something like, you know, okay, you get, you've hurt your back, right? Mm-hmm. So I, there might be a certain move that I can't do, but there might be something else I can work on. I might be able to work on balance. I might be able to work on one-legged balance or something. I, I don't know, Dave, I'm pulling mm-hmm. stuff out of the air. No, but, no, no, that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not able to go out on the slopes but i can work on maybe some shoulder mobility or i can work on some ankle mobility or i can work on some knee strength mm. so there's plenty of other stuff that you can do that you could adapt so by that pick something you wish to develop and again it might be like something you said i'll oh, practice writing down stuff before bed to help me sleep now which is going to help recovery mm. Mm. so but you know but that it's like you know, like, you know, it's like you see all this stuff going around, David. I don't know if you've seen it on social media, and it <laughs> makes me laugh because it, it's always interesting to know where this stuff has come from. Right. You know, it's like, you know, as a, a as a someone, you know, oh, I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to learn a different language. I'm going to draw. I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. What yeah. if you're a parent and you've got two kids pulling each other's hair out? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how does that work? Well, you know, so again, it comes. Yeah. It comes back to the environment, doesn't it? Yes. But, you know, and again, it's probably it's, the take-home message is probably a little that probably pick something you wish to develop is probably a little bit broad, bit kind of meaningless. But 
again, it's got to come from, it it talks about that, you know, that motivation, that desire. What is it that I, you know, in this, you know, so if I, when I injured my hip, I was working on a lot of like, I I was working on some kind of hip mobility, Mm. but I couldn't get into a certain position, but I could do a whole load of other positions. Yeah. So I could work on my ankle. I could work on my knee. I could work on, you know, kind of that sort of stuff. I could work on my upper back and I could work on my shoulders. So I can't do get into certain movements in the hip. In the um, of, of hip movements, but I can get into a whole host of other movements, mm-hmm. which are only going to still help. So yeah, so you know, it's like that sort of stuff. Like so, with you, you might say, well, okay, so I'm probably I might be feeling a bit, you know, my kind of this position, this protective position that I've gone in. My, my shoulders have rounded. I've gone into this kind of hunched position. I'm yeah. going to open my chest out. I'm going to work on opening my chest out and that sort of stuff. Yeah, which is going to help. Well, going to yeah. help. I've had this enough times, right, that I know essentially what my back is doing. And I've hurt the, I'm sure, I've hurt, hurt the, what is it, the L4 disc or whatever. And as such, what happens is all the lower back joints lock and, uh, not joints, that's the wrong word, muscles lock to protect it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that puts me into a weird position. And as they gradually loosen off over time, there'll be stuff that I can do. So, so my plan is, you know, I'll take it easy today. It's a shame I was going to, go and grab the bike and go and check my post box in Vila, but I don't think I should do that today. Um, but you could walk, huh? I could walk. It's, it's quite a long walk, but uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I can go to my, my more local post box to the other one. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and so it's, it's, you know, it will take a bit of time. It's not the first time I've been here, so I, I can, you're right. I can try and get, get some perspective on this um, and, and then work out a plan to go forward. And um, there's one last little thing on here that I, that I did see, which I think might be quite useful to some of the people that listen to this, where we, we were talking about relatedness to other people, but there's a bit in here that we kind of jumped over, which is, is to do with parents and their relationship to children. And yeah. if you're trying to recover from injury, there's a, there's a section here on pressure, you know, like um, yeah. external pressure. Do you, do you want to just, to finish off, do you want to talk about that, which is you know, yeah. external pressure from parents it's, or third parties, I guess? Yeah, so this was coming out of the sports psychology stuff that I was reading, that mm-hmm. I was getting, because it was quite interesting, because they, they were using this, um, they were kind of using this, the self-determination or the basic psychological needs theory about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what they were saying is, uh, as parents, uh, well, and coaches as well, you know, I'm not obviously saying that everyone does this because I know everyone doesn't, mm. but it's something just to be aware of. And it, it fits in a little bit with autonomy. It's As parents, we have to try and work with what, what our kids want to do. Mm-hmm. So... So from that, it might say, so say, uh, for example, a kids get injured. It's not nice for them because now we've got to support them and we've got to look after them because now they, you know, as a, if it's a team sport or a high professional sport, they're now not part of a team. Mm-hmm. So we can't put the pressure on them. And it's, it sort of fits in with that related, like the above part that we can help some, hopefully we can help someone else. Mm. But, uh, you know, we can't, it's that, what we were talking about earlier, Dave, that external motivation. Like we can't, we can't push too much because if we're pushing ourselves on not just kids or anyone else, you know, some people, the people I've worked with people with this, where I've found myself pushing a bit too much, you just get pushed back. So it's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it like that. So it's, 
you know, and we magnify that with kids, you straight away you get the toys out of the pram, literally. You know, Lego goes everywhere or something like that. And so it's that it's that kind of and it applies to ourselves as well. It's just it's about being kind and just accepting where we are in that moment in time and saying it's okay to be injured. Let's just work with stuff that we can do. Let's not get into any rush. Mm. Let's help someone else. That's, you know, where do you want to be? What other skills do you want to develop? So it's not, fo- you know, you've got to get back to this. You've got to do it quickly. You've got to get, you've got to get to this level. You've got to get to that level. You know, they're, they're exactly where they're meant to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's interesting so that's because I, I, I think... That's where I was going with that. Yeah, I, th- I think we also see that, don't we, with sports teams a little bit. I, I distinctly yeah. remember, you know, following uh, Arsenal and, and some other stuff, and you, you'd often see players rushed back from injury too soon because I guess they you know the team needed their their certain skill set or whatever Um, and I don't see that happening so much anymore I guess that the the medical science has moved on a little bit and they don't they don't hurry people back from injury anymore you know people come back when they're ready now I don't I don't think I see so many examples of of that Um, but that would be a you know, more injury really stress helps. happens, right? Because if you if you rush your recovery, yeah, yeah, and and this is the thing, you know, it's like you know we were talking about, you know, that that on that was it was like pick something you want to change or pick something you want to learn or you know that you're interested in. As parents or coaches, you might think, oh, I, I, I really don't like the sound of that. But to that to that child or to that person, that's important to them. So we have to support that. Mm. so it, you know we, we have to support you know if that's, that's something they want to do within reason obviously as long as it ain't like binging on McDonald's or something like that mm-hmm. you know if they want to try develop a skill that we don't agree with that's not up to us That's up to, then it develops that autonomy in that child so they take responsibility for their recovery mm-hmm. and we support them through that so it might be like performing a certain rehab exercise or doing a skill that we don't tend to agree with but to them it feels like it's helping mm. So it's important that we support that rather than don't go, oh, no, you shouldn't do that because it's wrong. It's mm. come from the child. We want to develop that, you know, that kind of provision of choice, that choice in that in, in the child or in the individual because that's up to them. That's what they want to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what I'm getting. So we can't say them they're wrong. All right, it might it might feel wrong to us, but to them it's come from them. As long as, it's, right, as, long as it ain't something wild, you mm. know, like jumping off a cliff or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but do you, see, do you see where I'm going with that, Dave? No, no, I do. And I, I think, well, it's something that I think we're trying to do as parents with, with Zoe is, you know, I, I see our role as parents not not as, um, oh, how would you explain it? Not as not as the people are kind of dictating to, to, to her. I see, it, I see my role as trying to make as many opportunities to find the thing that, you know, she's really into available as possible. So it's a, it's a question yeah. of of lots and lots of choices. That 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 will be, you know, I, I believe in a couple of couple of clear things with regards to parenting. One is like clear lines of what you can and can't do as an individual. Yeah. So 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 clear yeah. boundaries. But within that, my role is is just to make as much of the world available as to to, to her as possible, and then. Mm that will allow her, in my opinion, to find whatever her thing is. And it took me a long time yeah. to find skiing, you know, to, to realise that this is the thing that I like to do. And it might not yeah. even be within skiing, it might even be within the realms of business where I'm actually the, the most interested. Um, yeah. But 
you know, I was given. I think my parents did a similar kind of thing. You know, was shown a lot of a lot of the world and in general, um, and then you can kind of make you. It develops you as a person. Do you know? Definitely. And 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 I think that's that's quite that's how I see my role. It's not for me to decide yeah. what it is that she wants to do. It's for me to make available opportunities for her to find what she wants to do. Yeah. And it's you know in those kind of you know it's okay you know like the, they talked about it. it. Didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it here, but in some of the other literature, mm. you know, you play fighting and you're playing and all that sort of stuff. Mm. You know, get hurt. See what it feels like to get hurt. Yeah, for sure. You know, see what it's like to recover. It's, isn't know, it? let, uh, as a, as a relative, yeah. make a mistake. As a relatively new father, and, and you, you know, you've, you're a bit ahead of me on this curve, and you, you've gone down the, the crazy route of having more than one. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but the one of the <laughs> hardest things I find, and it's, it, I think it's especially, you know, I'm not not being sexist. I'm just this is what I observe. But I, I think it's harder for the female of the species, you know, the mother to to to, to see. But I think you've got to let your kids fall over, and you've got to let them try stuff ambitious, and you've got to you've got to have that risk there that your kid might get, you know, hurt within reason. So, you know, it's like yeah, if you want to run across there, run across there. If you fall over, fine, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to take the risk out of your life. I can't do that because you bring up people that that that, that aren't, you know, aren't prepared to take risks. You know, they don't yeah. they don't have that experience. And that's part of exactly what we were talking about earlier on, the social environment of the experience. You know, so, you know, it's like, is that exactly that? What message are we giving to our kids? Mm. You know, we want to we want to go, go out and explore, hurt yourself, come back, recover, see what it's like. Well, this you know, is, don't, yeah, this is one of the things. Even, that, you know, Dave, it's easy for us to talk about it now. You know, as, as soon as I see a, my son run out along the pavement, I'm shitting myself thinking <laughs> he's going to run out in the run. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. Um, yeah, I was about to say that he only does that once, but that's not that's not what I mean. You know, like you can <laughs> you can say you know you can. That's an opportunity for for education. You know, as far as I can see, it's like no, you can't do this. You can't do this for this reason. You know, um, you know, you don't put your hand in the fireplace. You know, for for this reason. Look, show me your hand. I'll show yeah. you that it's hot. But I'm not going to stick my hand <laughs> yeah. in. You know, but you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, things like yeah, I, I I'm still waiting for the moment for my daughter to learn that she needs to kind of very gently test that her food isn't boiling hot before she puts it in her mouth. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't know how many more times we're going to go down that road, but the the yeah. you know you learn. That's the yeah, these are these are learning opportunities rather than you know things yeah. to be avoided. If you avoid them, you you're yeah, bringing up goes, a very, it, it, very exactly yeah. that goes back to our point earlier. Isn't it? Pain's a learned experience. Yeah. So, you know. If I get hurt and I'm rolling around in pain and I'm laying up in bed for three days and I'm, you know, not doing anything, I'm withdrawing from society, what message is that giving to my kids? Yeah, yeah, it's true. So we have a we have a responsibility. I'm don't you know again? I can't downplay the pain experience because it it for some people, me included, it can be a horrible experience mm. because you all of a sudden you think your whole life's going to be taken away from you. Mm. But how do we how long how do we respond to that? Yeah. And then what message is it given? If all you know, but if I'm within reason, you know, I, I'm not saying being silly, but then all of a sudden, if my kids see me doing maybe some movement around, even I'm in a bit of pain, and they're seeing me, hopefully see it, I'm not 
you know, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal at all, but I'm just saying that's mm-hmm. the me- it's more of it. I'm saying it because that's the message I want to give yeah. that you recover mm-hmm. and you can recover stronger and yeah. you re- can, can recover a better person. Mm. It doesn't, it's not, it's not the pain experience doesn't have to be life limiting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's just a case of changing certain aspects. Yeah. Let's, um, let's finish on, um, uh, your kind of day to day osteopathy kind of stuff. But did you, I'm throwing this in there. You weren't, maybe you weren't expecting this. Maybe you were, but the, the, do you, Hit me, guys. do you, <laughs> I know you see a fair share of rugby players and those guys take a, a real battering. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know whether you do or your yeah. brother does for sure. But the, um, what about skiers? Do you see many skiers? You know what? I've got to be honest with you, Dave. I don't. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? Except me. Right. So I'm sorry to shoot you down. No, that's all right. But, so- that's, but I do see people, obviously I do see people who ski. Yeah. Right. So, you know, a lot of people I see are normally seeing me before they go skiing because they might have an irritation in their back or their knees or their hips or something like that. Mm. So, you know, I don't profess to myself to be a ski specialist. No. I can work, I know I'll try and work with that person at that moment in time and try and work out what, you know, again, it's working out what they can do. You know, is is going skiing really a good idea or is there something else that they might just have to change their, you know, behavior a little bit or change their activity levels a little bit. Mm. But, you know, some people I've seen with back pain who are going skiing, it's helped them, you know, because they get, it takes their mind off it. They're doing something they enjoy. And well, it might be a case of, okay, yeah. you, know, you know, if you're skiing, if you're looking to ski for six hours a day, ski for four hours a day, see how you feel. If you feel fine, ski for a bit more the day after. If you feel worse, don't ski as much. You know, don't overcomplicate it. Do you know, it is funny actually yeah. because we've. Uh, I often, this this is an injury that recurs to me often around this time of year, always after the ski season. Um, you know, it, I, I, and I put that in my, my dissertation for the, the Swiss snow sports one, the, 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 the one that I was talking to you about earlier. And that, yeah. um, you know, that is my my experience of the thing. And I'm, I'm convinced it's to do with fatigue in that joint over the course of a season, you know, repetitive, um, repetitive movement sort of fatigue. But, but I mean, there, Dave, by the time I mean that, you know, yeah, like, you know well, I was talking to you and Kit, I mean, we have to look at, you have to look at the whole process, you have to look at the whole experience, don't you? It's not, mm. we don't want to focus it down to one individual level. You have to take it in context to what what's happened over the last ski season that the, and the, the yeah. time, yeah. and then and then what's happening now, and then the added stresses that that brings on. Yeah, you know, it's not. It you know, this is why sometimes I don't. You know, this is like kind of cause and effect. We have to try and challenge some of that sometimes and say, well, okay, that might be a part of it, but there's a whole host of other stuff that's going on at the moment. And the ski season, I can only, I'm, you know, I went skiing once when I was 16, you know, this, when Steve always thinks it's funny, you know, I ordered a <laughs> no cheese pizza. I wanted a slice of no cheese and two pizzas come with no cheese in America. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know why I've told you that story, Dave. Uh, but, but I what suppose what I was going to say, I know what I was going to say was what I normally do then <laughs> is that July rolls round. My back is still a bit, you know, a bit, a bit, um, a bit sore. And but then I'll go skiing in the glacier, you know, in 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 South Spain yeah. in the summer. And yeah, it's a bit stiff. But actually, after a little while, it sort of loosens off. So it goes back to that kind of, you know, once you're in motion, if you're moving, you, you sort of your body motion. finds work around. You know, like it, it yeah. works out how to do it. I wonder if it sends, you know whatever it needs to send to that particular area to allow you to do that sort of thing. I imagine it really does. 
you know you know in yourself what you're capable of and what what might be a little bit too much mm. and and that's and that's working with someone with that and you know be it a skier be it a rugby player be it any anyone mm. you know you i i am not an expert in 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 that person yeah i can only hopefully work with what they can do and know if you go too far what it feels like yeah. and you know in some of the assessments that i do will challenge that Mm. so it's kind of understanding you know if all of a sudden they go into a squat and they're like that is sending raging neurological symptoms down my legs yeah skiing might not be the best idea but if they can go into a squat and oh it feels a bit sore and they do a couple more oh it's disappeared mm. I'm, I'm talking you know very broadly yeah you know okay well maybe skiing will be all right yeah you know so it gets, you know the individual knows their body better than anyone else i'm there to challenge it and confront it like we were looking through in that model mm-hmm you know, you know your body better than anyone else. Yeah. yeah so, no, really. But what I'm saying is, what, what I want to try and get away from is is focusing on one specific area of the spine. Yeah. You know, we have we looked at the environment, we've looked at what can, you know, we've looked at the social aspects of it and we've looked at life, you know, the context of it. Mm. You know, it's one thing that's blown my mind over learning this stuff. Pain is not just based on one individual specific point. It's based on the whole context of what's going on in that moment in time, yeah. which is huge. Yeah, you know, it's it's not just the biology. You know, I'm tipping into a different model here. It's no, not no, just the biology. I'm with you. I'm it's with the you. social aspects of it. It's the psychological aspects of it. You know, because if all of a sudden, Dave, you had this injury now, mm. and you had a high professional exam tomorrow, or you had um, a, a competitive event to go to, be it in any sport. Mm. That injury then is become is going to be very very different. Yeah, yeah. I'm with going, you. It might be more sensitive. It might be more. You know, it's going to impact the, the thoughts and the feelings that are going through your body. It's going to impact the way you speak to people. Your, the, you know, the, the, your social self is going to be very different. Mm. Yeah, you know, so that's that's where it's fascinating. So that's why sometimes when you know we hear people, I hear people talk about one specific point. Okay, that's important, but it's it's the person that we're managing, not mm. just an L four disc. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right. Um, yeah, so you, yeah, sorry, Dave, I no, wandered off track there, mate. No, no, no. So I think it was, was, was a nice summing up, actually. So, why don't we um, why don't we tell people where we can uh, we can find you uh, if people want to get in touch yeah. with you? Where, where, how can we do that? Yeah. So my email, I think, is on the slide. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll add it in the uh, in the podcast notes. Yeah, my email's there. I'm I'm more than happy to talk to people. Always happy to talk to people if they've got any questions, if they've got any any points they want to discuss or what I've said or want to challenge me on anything as well. I'm always, it's always a learning opportunity. I feel uncomfortable doing it, but, you know, that's how I learn. And um, contact me on that address, dannymiller702 at yahoo.co.uk. More than happy to answer questions. If anyone wants it or anyone's kind of, you know, needs support or guidance, I'm more than happy to point them in the right direction. Or again, like I said, question me on anything I've said. Okay. Well. well, look, I'm very much looking forward to um, uh, playing golf with you. I'm all set now. I've bought my golf clubs. I'm not. We're ready. You're back on No, no. Well, you beat me last time, I think. Um, but uh, I didn't, Dave. You're very kind saying that, Dave. I didn't you, you, I didn't beat you, mate. Well, I lost I mean, all my golf balls before I'd finished the course. The, <laughs> the, main, the, <laughs> the main thing about that. The main thing about that is you you made me like the sport again, which is a which is a good oh, thing. Right. So you know we're um 
we, you, I've got you to thank for that, and I think uh, I think Mrs. Burrows will be very pleased with that after this summer's out. So, um, so yeah, look, I appreciate um, I appreciate you taking the time to have this chat. I really, it's been it's been great. No, thanks, to you, mate. It's been good. Really, really good.